There's a young man Friday afternoon and he uh, attempted to convince me and some others that uh, all religions and all gods and all religious leaders and all paths to heaven and so forth were equally valid. And on his sign he had a list of names. He had Allah and Muhammad and, and uh, Vishnu. I can't remember all of them, but quite a few names. And, and, but all of those religions tell you what you have to do for God. Christianity tells you what God did for you. And that's the, that's the big difference. Our God is not asking us to make a sacrificial payment for our sin in order to please Him. He has made sacrificial payment for our sin and wants us to be pleased with Him. And that, that's an eternal difference, an everlasting difference. No, no comparison whatsoever between religion and biblical Christianity. All right, let's turn the Bibles to Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter 5, we've got two, four, six, maybe eight stops to make this morning. We've been studying these names and titles of Jesus Christ in the Bible. And this morning, this, this may not be a name, it may not be a title, but we're on the letter F, and this certainly is a designation of Jesus Christ. It's, it's not even a, a, per se a word that you could find uh, to... to specifically used for him, but the doctrine and the theme is present in the Word of God. We'll see it this morning. I want to look at Jesus Christ as the forgiver. Jesus Christ as the forgiver. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5 and verse number 18, And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up upon upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. They carried this lame man, this crippled man, up onto the roof of the house, took the tiles off the roof, lowered the man down into the house where Jesus was. That's some real friends there. Uh, doing what they could to get their friend to Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts, whether is easier to say? Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Father, help us this morning to rejoice in the truth of your holy Bible. Help us, Lord, to receive it into our hearts that we might get the full benefit that you intend to bestow upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The men who disbelieved, the men who objected to Jesus claiming to have power to forgive sins, 
believed that God had the power to forgive sins. They just didn't believe that Jesus was God and therefore that Jesus could forgive sins. The man who brought this man to Jesus believed that God could forgive sins and that Jesus could forgive sins. And the man was brought by his friends to Jesus as he lay upon that bed. He believed that God could forgive sins. Now, here's what's so different about Bible times in the Middle East and modern times in Florida. Those who believed in Jesus and didn't believe in Jesus, those who came to Jesus for help and those who rejected Him, all knew that they had sins which needed to be forgiven. We are dealing today with a society that is horrifically offended at the mere suggestion that something they have done might be a sin... And that somehow or another they might need a God to forgive their sins. As, as you travel about in your personal life, uh, speaking to people one-on-one, -on -one, as you engage in group activities with your church uh, throughout the state of Florida and across the nation on mission trips around the world, increasingly this is what you will find. Far different from, from the generation I grew up in. The, the belief amongst men in your, in your community, the belief amongst men and women in your society is that if you are a Christian, you are woefully uneducated, ignorant, probably to the point of illiteracy, or just barely capable of reading and writing and signing your name to a check. Because if you don't believe in the brilliant speculations of Darwin, Huxley, Marx, Lenin, and their ilk, it just proves you're ignorant. Now, that's, that's, that's the persuasion. They believe that if you are a Christian, you are likely, if you're a male, a wife beater. If you are a female, you're likely to enjoy being beaten and to suffer silently because you're not smart enough to do anything about it. That's the belief. The belief, if you are a Christian, the belief in your society is that you are a homophobe and you, you hate people just on the basis of what they do in the privacy of their own home. You're a white supremacist bigot who can't tolerate anybody who doesn't have the same skin color as you do. And you think you're good enough to go to heaven and everybody else is going to hell because they're not as good as you. Now, that's the belief this world has when you say, I'm a Christian. And I believe the Bible, that's their perception. <clears throat> In reality, I am absolutely certain that I do not deserve a place in heaven. I am absolutely certain I am not good enough. On my best day, I have never been good enough to go to heaven. I don't believe that. I, I, I don't believe I'm good enough. I know I'm not good enough. I have sinned. I have sinned miserably, I have sinned consistently, and I have come short of the glory of God. I don't consider myself better than my neighbor because of the car I drive or the clothes I wear or my genealogy or my racial or ethnic background. I know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I know that when God looks upon mankind, He says there is no difference. 
There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. So, I don't stand as chosen by God because I'm heterosexual or stand as blessed by God because I'm an American or stand and say I'm better than anybody else in town because I go to a Baptist church. I know that I'm a sinner who had desperate need of forgiveness, a forgiveness that could not be found in religion or in church or in sacraments or in baptisms or in memberships. I needed someone to forgive me of all my sins. And since I couldn't seek out every man that I'd ever sinned against or every woman that I'd ever sinned against, and ultimately if I got every man or every woman on the face of the earth to forgive me, that wouldn't take care of the sins I'd committed against the Holy God. So somehow I needed God's forgiveness. Now here's what we read in Luke chapter number 8. Jesus Christ came into this world as God manifest in the flesh, with the power to forgive sins. Now, there were some religious people in Luke chapter 8 who objected and said, no, 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 not Jesus, some other source. Not Jesus, some other way. But Jesus said, I intend for you to know I intend for you to understand, I intend for you to believe that I have power on earth to forgive sins, and he did so. How did he do so? By, By removing the evidence of sin. Why is this man in a palsied condition? Why is that man in a blind condition? Why is that man in a leprous condition? Why is that man in a, in a broken-hearted condition? Why is that woman in a depressed condition? Why are tears flowing from those eyes? As by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, the world, in its wisdom... The Bible says the world, by wisdom, knew not God. The world in its wisdom says, the Bible is not scientifically accurate. The Bible says, by one man sin entered the world, and death came with it, and because of sin, death passed upon all men. And as far as I can tell, by whatever standard you want to measure it, everybody dies. And everybody who hasn't died yet is dying. Now, that's a scientific fact stated in the Bible. Fact. Well, I don't think I'm a sinner. Well, then how come you're dying? You can't say evolution. Evolution have you getting better. Evolution have you improving. Evolution have you going from, from dust to planet. Evolution have you going from amoeba to professor. The Bible presents a very different picture. Here is a man whose only hope of reversing his downward trend is Jesus. And Jesus sent that man away carrying the bed that once carried him. Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, how is this possible? Look at uh, Colossians chapter number 1. The book of Colossians and chapter number 1. Colossians... Chapter 1. 
The Bible says in verse number 13, speaking of God, we'll start at verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. You know who did all that? I didn't do any of that. God did that. I, I was not meet, not fit, I didn't belong, God made me meet. I, I was not in line for an inheritance, God put me in that line. I was not one of the saints in light, God made me one of the saints in light. I was in the power of darkness and couldn't break free, but He translated me. In the kingdom of His dear Son. I don't think I deserve any of this. I don't believe that I deserve a place in heaven. Far from it. But look what God has done for me. Verse 14. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. There must be a basis for forgiveness. A righteous and holy God stands far above a corrupt and defiled society. We live in a world where the, the, the media, the Hollywood, the education system has set this idea before you from cradle to the grave. Shouldn't we just forgive? Isn't it right that we just forgive? I, 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 the man broke into our home, he, he beat up my wife, he shot our children, he left me for dead, and I'm going to go to the courtroom and say, I just forgive you. There is no forgiveness. Come on now, we're talking about the Bible. There is no forgiveness without justice. God is a God of love. Everybody is not forgiven. God is a God of grace. Everybody is not forgiven because He is also a God of righteousness. And He is also a God of holiness. And for God to forgive without justice and for God to forgive without payment is unjust, it's corrupt, it's evil. It leads to the deterioration and ruin of all things. When you forgive without justice... You, you amplify the murders in your society. You amplify the assaults in your society. You amplify the rapes. You amplify the molestation. Where sentence against an evil work is not speedily executed, therefore the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil, according to the Word of God, Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11. So God, who wants to forgive me, and desires to forgive me, must this justice have a basis upon which to forgive? And Jesus Christ went to the cross, and by the shedding of His blood, He paid for all my sin. Jesus Christ went to the cross, and by the shedding of His blood, He paid for all your sins. So the Bible says, in whom we have redemption, through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, a modern Bible put out for modern man, yielding to the modern philosophies of an ungodly world, would leave out the phrase, through his blood, in Colossians 1.14. 
They would have God offering you redemption and God offering you forgiveness without justice, without payment. That's a corrupt system. It doesn't satisfy God. It doesn't satisfy man. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, your sins can be forgiven. Christ shed His precious blood so that justice is satisfied and forgiveness can be offered. Praise the Lord. Look in Luke chapter number 7. Luke chapter 7. I need forgiveness. You need forgiveness. When you say that, when you say that to someone in our culture, when you say that to someone who, who believes the Bible is a book full of fairy tales, but has never read the Bible, who believes the Bible is full of errors, but cannot show you one. And when you say, I, I challenge you to show me one, next week they'll come back with something they found on a website. Even to prove the Bible isn't true, they won't open it. They'll go to a site provided them by some infidel, and then they'll say, well, you know, that, that I, I read it on the Internet. And, and like everything on the Internet is so. <laughs> We're coming up on 50 years here next week since the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And I've done extensive research on the Internet, and I have determined that he was shot by 172 different people. And there's not an organization on this earth other than a clogging club in Pearson, Florida, that wasn't somehow involved in his assassination. So how do you know that? It, I, I looked it up on the Internet. Castro did it. Russia did it. CIA did it. The FBI did it. Johnson did it. Nixon did it. His wife did it. The driver did it. The, the umbrella man did it. They all did it. It's a wonder there's anything left of him to bury. Many, many people have shot him. Now, the fact that you saw something on the internet, boys and girls, doesn't make it so. Heaven and earth shall pass away, including the world wide web, but the word of God liveth and abideth forever. So, here's what the Bible says. Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, verse 40. Jesus answering said unto him, Simon... I have somewhat to say unto thee, and he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore which of them will love him most. Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman. This woman is weeping at Jesus' feet. And said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil, thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven... The same loveth little, and he said unto her, Thy sins be, or thy sins are forgiven. Now this, this lines up perfectly with what Brother Stephen taught in the Sunday school hour this morning about debt. We read in that, and he, he read in the case of, of David, and those, those troubled men, they were debtors and couldn't pay their debt. 
Here Jesus says, this man had two creditors. They, they both owed him something. One owed him more than the other, but they both owed more than they could pay. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Jesus set himself forth as that creditor and said, you know what? I will make the payment so that you can be forgiven. Now look, this morning, if, if it's true, just suppose it was true that you were a sinner. Suppose it was true that you had done, that, that there's, there was a God and you had done something to violate just one of his commandments. How could you pay for that? So I'll be a better person. That doesn't erase it. So I'll go back and fix it. You can't fix it. You can't go back in time. You can't fix the past. There's no way to pay for your sins. But what if the Lord was willing to forgive on the basis of Jesus' payment so that forgiveness was not based upon merit, but based upon the grace of God? Then all could be forgiven. Because no matter how great your sin debt might be, the blood of Jesus Christ is greater. The sacrifice that Christ made at the cross is sufficient to pay for whatever sin you may have committed. This is why we don't set up a system where you go to a man and confess your sins. What could that man do for you? Well, he would tell me to go out and do a certain penance, but how would that pay for your sins? Well, he would tell me, go and sin no more. We're not addressing the issue. The issue is, how can I have my sins forgiven by God? Not put on hold. Not equalized. Not balanced out. I need God to forgive me. That's not going to be done on my merit. That's going to be done on the basis of Jesus' shed blood. Then the Bible says in Mark chapter number 2, Mark chapter 2, if it's not merit, if I can't make payment, if I can't earn it, if I don't deserve it, what then does God require of me? Mark chapter number 2, verse number 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. When there were certain scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins? But God only. Well, nobody. But Jesus is God. And on what basis did he forgive sins? When he saw their faith, when he saw their faith, what God is asking of you is that you believe. He is not asking you to do. He's not asking you to act. He's not asking you to stop. He's not asking you to start. He's not asking you to sprinkle, to pour, to immerse. He's not asking. He's asking you to believe on the finished 
work of Jesus Christ that made payment for your sin and God is satisfied by the payment made with Jesus, He will delight to forgive you of your sins if you would only put your faith in Him. Now, let's, let's go back to the perception. And, and maybe you're visiting this morning and, and you have all these preconceived ideas of, of what a Christian is or what you would become if you became a Christian. Let's, let's, let's take a look at this thing. If I was woefully ignorant, if I had never gotten past the first grade, if I lived in a country that didn't have a first grade, or if I held five, six, seven earned doctorates, which meant, hooray for me, I never had to get a job in my entire life. If I had all of that training or none of that training, if I had all of that education or none of that education, I would need God's forgiveness. And if I would come to God believing that His Son, Jesus Christ, upon the cross, had paid for my sins, He would forgive me. That's what the Bible says. It's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. If I had, in my life, beaten my wife instead of the other way around, if I was the one who did the punching, instead of being the one receiving the punching, if I had beaten my wife or never beaten my wife, if I had, if I had been a mean daddy, an absent daddy, or a wonderful daddy, I don't deserve heaven. Jesus shed His blood for me. Good dad, bad dad, never been a dad, didn't know I was a dad. Jesus died to pay for my sins. If I will put my faith and trust in Him, He will forgive me. I will have eternal life. Let's suppose I don't even know what a homogenized sexual is. What's well, not the word? Okay, a homosexual is. I don't even know what sexual is. I'm a boy, I'm a girl, I'm a, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm a grandson, I'm a granddaughter. I don't know who you went home with last night. I don't care who you went home with last night. Or I do care. What does that have to do with anything? If I've, if I've never been hetero, if I've never been homo, if I've never even been... I stand before God having surely told a lie somewhere along the way. Having surely been proud at one time or another. Having surely failed to love my neighbor as myself. Stop trying to make the issue something that is not the issue. I need to be forgiven. Whether I'm a, a whoremonger or a virgin, I need to be forgiven. And I can only be forgiven through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I will believe that and call upon Jesus, I can be saved. How about that? If I voted for Obama because I felt guilty about slavery, or if I didn't vote for him because I don't like him, I need to be forgiven. If I never donned a hood and rode a horse through the midnight, or if I gave to the United Negro College Fund, I need to be forgiven. 
If I am brown, if I am blue, if I am red, if I am white, if I am black, if I am all the shades that Michael Jackson was through the course of his life, I need to be forgiven. Come on. Everybody wants to make the issue something that it's not. I am not going to go to heaven because I'm a good neighbor, though I want to be a good neighbor. I'm not going to go to hell because I'm a bad neighbor, though I'm trying not to be a bad neighbor. I need forgiveness. And Jesus died so I could be forgiven. And when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God forgave me. And I'm going to heaven because He's a good God and I have a good Savior. I don't think I'm a good person. I want to be a good person. But that's not the issue here. The issue is faith in Jesus Christ. When He saw their faith, He said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. That's the issue. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? You know, I, I worry. I worry about church people as much as I do people out in the world. I worry about people who grow up in church as much as I do people out in the world. Because I've talked to so many 16-year-olds, 26-year-olds, 36-year-olds. You say, are you going to heaven when you die? Oh, yes, I am. Well, how do you know you're going to heaven when you die? Well, I've never done the things those people did. You think you're going to heaven because you never drank? You think you're going to heaven because you haven't smoked? You think you're going to heaven because you never got high? If you've never done those things, I'm glad for you, good for you. You're as good as many Mormons. You're as good as monks, Buddhist monks, chanting in their robes. Good for you. But you are not going to heaven because of what you have abstained from. You are only going to get to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why we tell all men everywhere to repent. Boys, girls, grandmas, grandpas, good people, bad people, people in the jail on Friday, people in the rescue mission on Saturday night, people in the rest home on Friday evening, people on the job on Tuesday afternoon. Everybody needs to be saved. All have not sinned alike, but all alike are sinners. Luke chapter 23, Luke 23, here's a man hanging on a cross, he's about to die, he can't join a church, he can't be baptized, he can't go back and make up for his past, Jesus forgave him, but there's some people standing there watching this whole scene, and the Bible says in Luke chapter 23, Jesus Christ looking down upon that multitude. And he says, Father, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, there's two reasons why you can't be saved by confessing your sins. First of all, you haven't committed all of them yet. If you have to confess your sins to be saved, you cannot be saved until you die. 
Because I got news for you, you're going to keep sinning. Second, you can't be saved by confessing your sins because until you begin to read and study God's word with the indwelling Holy Spirit, you don't even know what sins you're committing. How many, how many people here say you've been saved more than a year? It's been more than a year since you trusted Christ as your Savior. And since that time, you found out from the Bible there were some things you were doing that you shouldn't have been doing that you never knew you shouldn't have been doing. And there were some things you should have been doing that you haven't been doing that you never knew you were supposed to be doing. Correct? So how could you have to confess all your sins to be saved when we are ignorant of the extent of our sin? We don't even know what God requires. We don't even know what God accepts. That's why I can't name them one by one, say, God, please forgive that one and that one and that one and that one and that one. I don't even know the depth of my, of my need. I, I don't even know the weight and the burden of my guilt. I have no idea. To this day, I have no idea how far short I have come of God's glory. Don't you suppose if today you were caught out of this world and this very afternoon there you were face to face with the Lamb of God upon His throne. Is there anyone here so proud as to suspect that in that hour when you look in His face you won't say, "Uh uh-oh, He was a lot more righteous than I thought he was. I wasn't near as good as I pretended to be. So, I'm not just forgiven for what I know I've done. I'm forgiven for what I still don't know I've done. I'm not just forgiven for what I'm aware of. I'm forgiven of everything that I'm not yet aware of. Have you ever been in church and, and you've seen a couple of people talking and laughing and, and, and in your heart you've thought, how can that guy come to church with that in his life? Or you know something somebody's done or something they haven't done or, or they, they haven't made something right and you, you hear about it and find out about it. And you're, you're trying to pay attention to the preacher. You're looking across the room and thinking, I can't believe it. I mean, that, doesn't he know the preacher's preaching about him? Doesn't she know he's talking about her? Of course they don't, because they're looking across the room wondering why you're not at the altar. (laughs) Believe it or not, there's stuff in your life you don't know about that we know about. And there's areas where you come short that you don't know you come short, and everybody else does. See what Jesus did? He's willing to forgive things we don't even know we're doing. Praise God. 1 John chapter 1. Two more stops here this morning. The day is young. 1 John chapter 1. First John chapter 1. Verse number 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And His word is not in us. So what do I do? I just, I just came to God one day. Lord, I have sin. I have sins. I have sinned and I'm a sinner. There's, there's the whole thing. It, it's what I've done. It's what I am. It's what I'm going to be. It's what I don't even know yet. Here, here's the whole thing. Can you, will you forgive me? And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleansed me from all my sin. Have you ever done that? You ever just come to God and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner? Quit excusing it, justifying it, blaming somebody for it, trying to rationalize it, arguing it's not all that bad. Just own it. It's me, it's who I am, it's what I am. I've tried to do better, I can't. Tried to straighten up, I can't get straight. I've tried to be everything God wants me to be. I've turned over so many new leaves, the forest is bare. It's like the dead of winter out there. There's not one leaf left on one tree. I give up. What do I do? Put your faith in Jesus Christ. God will forgive your sin. Psalm 130. Psalm 130. See, the world has this idea. Your co-workers have this idea. That when you say to them, you know, you need Jesus. What they hear is... I'm good enough to go to heaven and you're not. That's what they hear. And when you say, no, no, I don't mean that. I mean that that God said that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody needs to repent. And that's what you say. And what they hear is, I haven't sinned, but you have. And I haven't come short of the glory of God, but you have. And I don't need to repent, but you do. Now, I don't know how you get around that. Because it's always been that way. But the truth of the matter is, I am a sinner coming short of the glory of God. But I found someone who forgave my sin. Jesus Christ. He forgave me of all my sin. When I put my faith and put my trust in Him. Praise the Lord. I'm saved. I'm not good. I'm saved. I'm not holy. I'm saved. I'm not fully sanctified. I'm saved. I'm not everything you want me to be or need me to be. But I'm saved. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. I have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And I don't think I'm any, anyone that deserves heaven, but I'm going. Because I've been forgiven. Jesus is the forgiver. Psalm number 130. Psalm 130. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. 
I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in His word do I hope. I fear the Lord. I'm not afraid of Him. I have the utmost reverence. I have the utmost respect for God. I'm not going to use His name loosely. I'm not going to use His name blasphemously. I'm not going to use His name carelessly or as a swear word. I fear the Lord. Did He make that woman fall at His feet and wash His feet with her tears? Did He make that woman wipe Wipe those, those feet dusty from the roads of Galilee with her hair which is given her for her glory. Did he make her do that? Absolutely not. He doesn't make me read the Bible and he doesn't make me pray and he doesn't make me go to church and he doesn't make me fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ and he doesn't make me give to the support of, of the gospel ministry. He doesn't make me do any of those things. He forgave my sins. <laughs> He forgave my sins. And maybe you don't know how how much you owed. Maybe you don't know what what a debtor you were. But he sure erased a huge sin debt from my record. I want to love him much. If he marked my iniquities, I couldn't stand. But he forgave my sin. I want to walk and live in reverence to a holy God, in loving respect for a holy God. I am not going to leave here this morning without my flaws and my failures and my sins and my shortcomings and my iniquities and my trespasses, and you can help the world point them out to me if you want to. But I am going to walk out of here today forgiven. Because I put my faith and my trust in the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. Now, if you'll do that, you can be forgiven. If you have done that, you are forgiven. And if you're going to try any other way to pay your debt, you'll come short. You can't do it. If God accepted the blood of His Son as payment, what could you offer equal to that? What could you offer to make God say, well, you know, I was only requiring blood, but now that you did that, that's every bit as good as my Son dying on the cross. Not a chance. Not a chance. We have redemption through His blood. We're taken from death to life through His blood. From the power of darkness to the kingdom of light through His blood. From lost to saved through His blood. From hopeless to redeemed through His blood. The best thing, the best thing you could do this morning is divorce yourself from the philosophy of this world that makes somebody your enemy who tells you you're a sinner who needs to be forgiven. Own up to it. Everybody else knows it. Because see, once you know you're a sinner who needs to be forgiven, it's just a short step to Jesus. Because there's nothing else, there's no one else who loves you enough to forgive you of all you've done, every time you've done it, but Jesus. Praise the Lord. Father,